Second Peter chapter three is where we're going to turn. So if you'll turn there with me. If you'll stand and let's honor God's word this morning. Hallelujah. Jesus is in our midst. Y'all started singing that song, I got my shoes off. Holy ground. <laughs> I got my shoes off. I got pink flamingos on my socks. Y'all don't make fun of me. But I, I had to do something. Amen. I knew I was on holy ground. Amen. I didn't want anything to be in the way of me and him. Amen. Get them shoes off your feet, Moses. Amen. I didn't want anything to be in the way. Second Peter chapter 3 says this, The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust. Can you say amen? And saying, where is the promise of his coming? Talking of the rapture. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of the ungodly men. I can tell you this, people can say they don't believe in the rapture if they want to. But I plan to get up out of here. <laughs> Man, I said, I plan to get up out of here. Amen. People want to argue about stuff. I said on my post the other day, is the rapture real? I ain't got time to argue with anybody about it. My God, who would want to stay behind? <laughs> who would want to stay behind? Amen. I'm glad I don't believe that way. I'd rather believe the catching of away. Verse 8, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack. Somebody say, he's not slack. Not Concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering. I know we're ready for him to return, but his grace is sufficient to help us and keep us. There's folks that ain't right yet that's coming in. <laughs> Hallelujah. The intercessors have been awakened this morning in the house. Amen. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, that willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. Listen. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Father, I ask that you would help and anoint these lips of clay today, God. Jesus, we ask, God, today that you would just minister and meet with us as you already have. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I shared Wednesday night and many weren't here I had a phone call last week and a great pastor that many of us highly respect and and he asked me three questions. I thought they were trick questions. I didn't know where he was going, but his first question was this. He said, "Who's going in the rapture?" And and like I said, I thought it was a trick question and I all I knew to do was just say, "Well, those that have born again and those that have made themselves ready." He said, "Okay, you're right." And then he said the second question. He said, what is the age of accountability? And I said, well, that could vary depending on what children or people, depending on if they are brought up in the house of the Lord, 
depending on where they sit, if the truth is being preached, if it's been discussed about being born again, if sin is ever discussed, there's a lot of variables. If the Lord has sent His Spirit to deal, this pastor stole a piece of bubble gum at five years old, and when he got home, he heard a voice and said, you know you'll go to hell for being a thief. God was talking to him, and so he gave his life to the Lord in his bedroom, received salvation, got baptized in the Holy Ghost at six years old, and, and so he said at the age of accountability for me, he said it was five. And so I don't know what the age of accountability is for everyone. It varies depending on, I believe, what God does in their life. But we do know that there is an age of accountability. Amen. I don't know if that's five, if that's eight, if that's 12. Depends on the person. But I do know, and I said this, I have purposely kept all the children in here on Wednesday night and not, did not release them to kids' church because I wanted every child that sat underneath my voice to hear about the rapture of the church. And so I began to preach on Wednesday night, is the rapture real? This morning I want, to, I want to continue in my messages about the requirement of the rapture. And this afternoon at 5 o'clock I'll talk about the reward of the rapture. The rapture is the reward of the bride of Christ. Amen? It is that. It is the reward of the bride of Christ. But there are requirements if you and I are going to go in the rapture of the church. Amen. As I said earlier, I'm not going to argue if it's pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. None of that matters. I believe there's a catching away. Amen. I believe that God is going to get us out of here. I don't know about you, but what I read in Revelation chapter 9 on Wednesday night, I don't want to be here through all of that. Amen. So I believe that God is going to rapture us out of here before the seven-year tribulation period. Amen. That could happen today. That could happen today. So I'm not going to discuss or sit down and argue with anybody about it. I'm telling you this is what I believe God has put in my spirit. I believe there's confirmation. Amen. And I'm thankful that the rapture of the church is, is the reward of the bride of Christ. Amen. I thank God for that. Why wouldn't you want to believe that? Amen. He's going to get us out of here. Amen. And so there are requirements. And so this pastor go on to say, so we know the age of accountability could be different for any. He said, so you're telling me that if I was five and rejected the voice of the Lord, that means now I'm accountable to God. I said, that's what you're saying, yes, because God has graced you. Does the Bible not say that the grace of God has appeared unto all men? So I don't know at what time, but that tells me that God's grace Amen will appear to you every man at one point or another so that all men would be without excuse. Amen. So we won't be able to stand before the Lord and say, well, I was never given an opportunity. Yes, you have because the Bible tells us that we have. Amen. And so just bear with me just a few minutes. I want to bring you back up to where we were Wednesday night. And so his third question was this. So you mean to tell me that God would allow a five-year-old or a nine-year-old or a 12-year-old to be left for the seven years of tribulation? And I only had one answer. I said, if they reject the call of God, then yes. That's exactly what will happen. And so we can look at this both ways, and we will today, because there are requirements to go in the rapture. The three things I'm going to give you today, the first one is repentance, the second one is to be ready, and the third one is to be responsible. You see, there's a lot of people that aren't responsible for what God's given them. There's a lot of us that aren't ready because we've let our guard down and we live like we want to live and do what we want to do, but what's going to happen in the coming of the Lord? And so we must repent before anything. A person has to be born again. And so I looked, I talked to him, and I said, you're exactly right. And he said, why aren't we talking about this? He said, we write books about everything else. Why aren't there a book written about this? He said, why aren't we discussing these things? He said, I have people in my church that aren't coming back. And he said, do they really realize that what they're putting in their children is that a plague and a sickness is more important than the rapture? He said, because they said they're never coming back. He said, so what are their children learning? He said, what are they teaching the next generation? And there was just something that went off on the inside of me, I'll be honest with you. He didn't tell me to preach it, but the Holy Ghost did. 
I've never preached on the rapture of the church that I can think of. But it was like immediately the Lord spoke to me three messages after I hung up that phone. And God said, you'll deliver it to your church. And so that's what I've come to do this morning. I've come to give you the second part of what God said. Why would we not want to remain? What is, what is the purpose of the rapture? Well, I'll just give you a few high points that I shared the other night. You'll come to a place in your life during the tribulation, and if you can read these things for yourself in Revelation chapter 9, don't take me for what I'm saying, but verse 6 says, And in those days men will seek death and shall not find it. They shall have a desire to die, and death shall flee from them. For five months, demons will come, and you'll feel like it's the sting of a scorpion. But these aren't little scorpions the size of your thumb. The Bible says that they'll be scorpions the size of a horse. And the sting of that scorpion will be so intense in your life. The sun will be so hot that people will be burnt by the sun and they will die. It says that you'll want to drink the water, but the water will have death in it. The water will be turned to blood. Animals will run out of the woods and they'll begin to flock to places. And I can only imagine whenever God gave man dominion over the animal, now in the end it'll be the animal that will be destroying and killing the humans during the seven years of tribulation. So who would really want to be in that? Who would not want to say yes to Jesus right now? Who would not want to say yes to the Lord to know that you can be assured that you're going to go in the rapture of the church? Why would we want to wait? Why would we want to play games with God? Because we're living in the dispensation of grace. We all have an opportunity to say yes to the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you this. I'm not dumb enough to think everybody that's sitting in this church today is saved. I'm not dumb enough to say that every one of us have repented. We may claim to have salvation. That water don't save you. If you were baptized at 2 or 10, but you don't live for Jesus today, then I'll tell you, you better repent and get born again. Amen? Because that didn't save you. That didn't make you right. We can't look back to what we did when I was 2. I need to know what I'm doing right now. What's the fruit of my life right now? That's a good indicator of if I'm right with God. Amen? And so that I don't believe that everyone under the sound of my voice has repented of their sin and are living right. I'm sure that some of us as the church can say just like Second Peter said, well, I've been hearing about the rapture of the church all my life and it ain't came yet, so I think I got one more in me. I got one more in me. Well, you got one more in you. What if you end up in the bed with the wrong person and the rapture comes? Just saying, what if, what if Jesus knows but man don't know when the return of the Lord is. It'll be like a thief in the night. Amen. And so are we ready? Are we prepared? And lastly is are we responsible for what Jesus has given us? Are we responsible? Father, I just need your help. God, greatly, I feel so burdened. God, I know this word needs to be released, and it must, and it has to. So, God, I just ask that you would help me in Jesus' name. Amen. And so why would I preach this? Because let me say this, Mom and Daddy, is I would never want to see you go to heaven and your eight-year-old child have to deal with demons being released from prison that grace kept back from them and a devil becoming your baby's mom and daddy. And mom and daddy, pastor, worship leader, associate pastor, youth leader, all of us, I'm not preaching down to you. This has challenged me more than anything. I would hate to know that because we attended church faithfully, but yet we would never repent and be ready and be responsible. But what our children were learning in the back of the church, they repented and they were ready and they were right. And so when the rapture of the church takes place, 
that your children went and you had to watch them go and you had to stay back and you had to be separated for eternity from your children because you didn't want to be responsible and repent of your wicked ways. Because I guarantee you there's some babies that are saved in this house this morning that moms and daddies aren't. What are we teaching these children? What are we teaching the next generation? At any moment, the rapture of the church could take place. So I just want to read some scriptures to you this morning, if you're okay with that, before I preach. Is the rapture real? You better believe it is. Well, why do you say that, Pastor? The word rapture is not even in the church in, in the Bible. Is the word Bible in the Bible? Can anybody tell me where the word Bible's in the Bible? You can't. But do you believe what the Bible says? Why? Because it's the Holy Bible, right? We believe it for what it is. So the word rapture, we don't have time to get in all of that, is a Latin word, but it really means a catching away. Amen? But we can look to the scriptures, and I just want to give you some scriptures this morning so you don't think pastor's done fell off his horse and he's just crazy. Amen? I want to talk to you today about the blessed hope. There's a blessed hope. Amen? It's called the rapture of the church. And so if, you, if you're taking notes, you're probably not going to be able to turn here with me. But John chapter 14 says this in, cha- in verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm coming again to get you. <laughs> I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. So how are we going to get there? A catching away. He's coming to get us. Do you think he's up there working away right now? <laughs> Building a mansion for you and I? You think he's doing all that, but he ain't going to come back and get you? Well, people that don't believe in the rapture, you might as well just X that out. Take that scripture out, right? Let's just take that one out. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. Amen? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Amen? We shall be changed. I said this on Wednesday night. If you look to the Greek and you see the two words for air, you see Ephesians chapter 2, 2, and it said that Satan is the prince and the power of the air. And if you look to, to the scripture in First Thessalonians, he said there'll be a catching away and there'll be a meeting in where? The air, there are two Greek words for the name air. One is heaven and one is the place that is between earth and heaven. And that is that word called air. Amen. And so the very place that Satan is the prince and the power and has dominion of right now, in the very face of Satan, you and I are going to receive. Amen. And we're going to be changed right in the face of the devil. Amen. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to say, take that devil, because in your presence and right before your face, I just got changed. Amen. I just got a new body. Amen. And what I want was, I'm no longer anymore. And devil, you've had me long enough. You've tried to attack me long enough. But now, right in the middle of your face, I just got a new life. I just got a new body. And I just got changed right before you. So devil, eh, take that, big boy. Amen. That's what our God's going to do. Why wouldn't you want to believe that? My God. Amen. It's the same place where he has dominion and power. Amen. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Revelation 1, 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Titus 2.13, Titus 2.13, this is that blessed hope. Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, how could you not believe this? (laughs) How could we not believe this? Philippians chapter 3, Philippians 3 verse 20. And 21. 
For our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, take that devil, (laughs) that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, take that devil, right in your ear, I shall be changed. (laughs) That vile body I was in ain't going to be very much longer. Amen. The devil's going to just start, man, man, what's going on? According to the working whereby he is able even so to subdue all things unto himself. Amen. If you want to write down Matthew 24, 20, you can. 2 Peter 3, 10, we just read that. I encourage you to do so. But I want to just jump right into the message. I know we've been here and worshiped a long time. I'll try to hit the high points. There are requirements of the rapture. Amen. And the first requirement that I want to tell you today, it, we must repent. We must repent. Now listen, so, so many times in the church today, we just kind of jump right over the most important things in the church. You must be born again. John 3, 3. Amen. I had the opportunity to come and teach the kids in chapel this, this past Friday. And um, man, it was powerful. Little Branston gave his life to Jesus. Did he tell you? Man, it, it, it was powerful. Amen. He, he, he surrendered four or five. Is that right? Gave their life to who all gave their life to the Lord, Brooke? Lane? Branston? Mason? Johnny? There was one more. Well, I do know this. Little Emery, Scott, gave her life to the Lord on the playground because Emery Helms and Rayleigh told her, you got to be born again. (laughs) So I was preaching and little Emery Kate was sitting right here and she said, I know. She said, you got to be born again. And I said, well, I heard you got born again in your car the other day. And she said, I did, I did. And then Rayleigh told me Wednesday night after hearing the message on the rapture, she was up all night Tuesday night. And then the word on the rapture began to deal with her little heart. And she went to her daddy and she said, Daddy, I'm ready to do that thing. And he said, what thing, baby? He said, that thing you said last night about giving our life to Jesus. And so Rayleigh gave her life to Jesus Wednesday night. And so next thing I know, them two had Emory Scott praying and playing with her (laughs) on the playground. And they told Emory Scott, if you're going to go to heaven, you got to get born again. And so Emory Scott, when I asked him who was saved, Emory Scott said, I just got saved this morning. I said, where at? She said, out there. I said, well, who told you? She said, Rayleigh and Emory. So thank God. Amen. They're leading people to Jesus on the playground at school. So let me ask everybody here, when's the last time you led somebody to Jesus? You're going to let two five-year-olds do what you're not doing? We're going to let five-year-olds do what we're called to do? This church would be full if we were all in Emory, Kate, and Rayleigh. Amen. That little girl came into the kingdom of God Friday before we ever got to church on the playground. They weren't worried about playing. They were preaching. Amen. They told her she got to get born again. And so, so I began to talk to them. And we began to discuss, I believe, one of the greatest opportunities that you see for a man to repent that he rejected it in the Word of God is in the book of Genesis. And this was their scripture for the week. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give it to you just like I gave it to them four and five-year-olds Friday. (laughs) I said, I'm going to give it to you just like I gave it to them. And I gave it to them just like I'm about to give it to you. And I didn't hold nothing back. Because I told them they're at the age of accountability and I know what they're being taught. I know what they're being taught in here and I know what they're being taught in there. So why wouldn't we tell them the truth? Why wouldn't we talk to them about the hard things? Because I don't want to stand before Jesus and one of them babies have heard about this gospel but didn't repent and give their life to the Lord. And that they need to know that God is angry at sin. God hates sin. And we were born into that. And if we don't repent and get right of that, then we're going to miss this rapture. We're going to miss it. Amen. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7 says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin 
lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. I see this is one of the greatest opportunities that you see for somebody to repent, but he didn't. You see, God knew the countenance of his face. How many of you know, I can tell by the countenance of your face what's going on in your life. Amen. Have you ever known somebody's face? You know if somebody's not doing good. That don't make a person super spiritual. That ain't what I'm saying. But you know what somebody's heart and what their life is by the countenance of their face. Amen. Boy, you see their face, you say, I better not go around them today. That's because that face has already told what their life's like. And you know what you may get if you say the wrong thing. And so God said, I see the countenance of your face. So God knew what was in Cain because God was displeased with Cain's offering, but he was well pleased with Abel's. And so what is God saying? I see that you're angry, Cain, and I know that there's murder in your heart, and you're going to kill Abel because I'm pleased with his offering, but I see that that's on you. Now I'm trying to deal with what's in you, and if you'll only do right, then, and if you'll repent, then you'll be okay. You'll be okay. You'll be accepted. But if you don't, sin is crouching at your door. Sin is crouching at your door. And so I took Johnny. I'm going to use you, David. So I took Johnny the other day, and Johnny was preaching. I'm, Johnny's going to be a preacher. He knew all about it. He went telling me this whole story. He said, God put a mark on Cain's head. He, he, said, he said, and Cain picked up a rock, and he killed Abel. Man, they were all, they were all preaching away. And so, Johnny, y'all see David? Come here. Y'all see David the way he is right here, right? He looks good, don't he, this morning? Pink shirt, blue tie, he looks sharp. Preached good this morning. And God says to him, David, I see the countenance of your face. And I'm giving you an opportunity to repent right now. And if you do well, then you'll be accepted. But if you don't, sin's waiting on you at that door. Sin's waiting on you. And see, why is sin crouching at the door? Because here's the thing. We don't know what's on the other side. You see, the problem is there's a lot of people that's got a lot of doors open that should be shut. So why would sin crouch at the door? Who is the real door? Jesus. So where would the enemy want to put sin? Crouching at a door. But it's a demonic door. And it's doors that we don't need to be walking out or through. But we do anyway. But God, did he not give Cain an opportunity to repent? He said, Cain, I see the countenance of your face. I know what's in you. And you're going to murder your brother if you don't repent and get right. He said, if you'll do well, then you, will you not be accepted? But if you don't, then sin lies at the door. And what does it say? Its desire is for who? You. Let me tell you, sin's greatest desire is for you. Sin's desire is for you. Sin is out here, I can tell you. Boy, that sin's outside this door and it's just waiting. That sin is so demonic and it's got a calling. It says, come on, come on. And, and the whole time God's saying, repent, repent. But there's something greater waiting on the outside and that thing just begins to lure you, come on. And it's just pulling and God's saying no. And the church and the body's saying no. But then sin is crouching at the door. Sin is crouching, and you never know, but you just feel it tugging. You feel it tugging. You feel it tugging. Next thing you know, sin is crouching at the door. Now sin comes back. Now he comes back. Tell me if you see anything different. Now you see something on him. Friday in school, I had Lakin's monkey. I forgot to bring it. Because here's what it means, and that monkey had hands and legs, and it had Velcro, so it would wrap around his neck. And I tightened them arms up tight around his throat. Because here's what this literally means. He says sin crouches at the door. If you look up what that word crouches means in the Hebrew, it's like a wild lion. Have you ever seen a cat? You ever seen a cat go through your yard and it's got his eyes on something? What does it do? It crouches down. And whenever it crouches down, what's it getting ready to do? It's fixing a pounce on something. Well, this is like a wild beast that's crouching. And see, what David didn't know is the luring that was outside that door was a wild beast. And it said, if I can just get him outside of this door, I'm fixing to jump. And I got him. I'm going to get him. And whenever I get my paws on him, I'm going to devour him. Because my desire is for you. 
My desire is for you, but God is saying, Cain, if you would only do well, will you not be accepted? God was giving him an opportunity to repent and saying, don't go out that door. It's very evident when somebody walks out the door. You know, you know when that wild beast has got a hold of somebody. Sin crouches at the door for every one of us today. Amen. Thank you, brother. And so what do we need to do? We need to shut some doors. And you better know that every door you walk through, you better ask God, Jesus, are you the door of this or is the devil the door of this? Because let me tell everyone under the sound of my voice, sin crouches at the door. And you don't know that it's there, but it's waiting on you to get there. And the moment you walk out the door, that thing's going to jump on you. Why? Because its greatest desire is for you. Amen. A lot of people don't make it back through the door. And God knows what's in every one of our hearts. You you may sit here today and say, I would never murder anybody. What do you think Cain thought that that was in him? My God, he just got birthed out of Adam and Eve from the very beginning of time. I'm telling you, it's in every one of us. And I'm telling you that sin is waiting at your door. Sin waits at the church door. Sin waits at your car door. Sin waits at your house door. It's just waiting. I said, it's just waiting. It wants to jump on us. It wants to attack us. And it wants to kill us. But God is saying to you and I, today. I see what's in your heart. If you'll only repent and turn to me, you'll be accepted. Hallelujah. That is the born again process. Is you must repent. You can't have salvation without repentance. I said you can't have salvation without repentance. Amen. Don't tell me you got saved if you're still living the same way you were before you said you got saved. Salvation isn't a prayer that you pray. There's not a sinner's prayer in the Bible. You read the book of Romans. You see the Romans wrote, but there's not a sinner's prayer in the Bible. Amen. I thank God that we pray. Yeah, that's the beginning. Jesus come into my life and save me. But if you really got born again, then you'll see it in your feet. What you spoke with your mouth will come out in your feet. It'll be evident of the change of God in your life. Amen. Repentance is not remorse. I said repentance is not remorse. A lot of people feel bad that they got caught. (laughs) But that's not repentance. (laughs) Amen. You can feel bad that you got caught. That's remorse. Thank God. I'm glad you felt a little bad. (laughs) But how bad did you really feel? Did you feel bad enough to change? Or did you just feel bad enough to say, all right, God, give me a, let me out of jail card. Here's what we do a lot of times. We slap that hand. Uh, Well, I didn't like that. Just just slap my hand a little bit. Just slap my hand a little bit. Oh, that hurt. Yeah, it hurt for a minute. But it didn't hurt bad enough to cut it off. (laughs) It didn't hurt bad enough to cut it off. What are you saying, Pastor? Well, how are you going to enter heaven? Maimed? Or are you going to enter hell with everything you got? Just saying, is that what the word says? I said there's a rapture. And there's requirements to go in this rapture. And the first thing, you got to be born again. And I'm talking about more than a prayer. I'm talking about your life has to change. You see a life change in somebody's life. Are they born again? I would say they are. You know somebody. You know them by the fruit that they bear. Amen. You know them by the fruit that they bear. We must be born again. Amen. Don't let these, don't let these children in this next generation, thank God we can learn from them, but don't let them only do what we should be doing too. We need to release this younger generation, but we should be doing what they're doing. Emery Kate knew she had to be born again. Rayleigh knew she had to be born again. And so she said, Daddy, I'm ready to do that thing. She knew she had to surrender her life to the Lord. She knew that. I thank God that these babies know. But the problem is, is us adults don't know. We've reasoned repentance right out of our mind. I'm going to say that again. I said we've reasoned repentance right out of our mind. And we make excuses. Let me just say this. You can't counsel demons. You can't counsel demons. You can't counsel to repentance. Either you want to repent or you don't. 
And either you want to keep running with your devils or you don't. I believe it was Pastor Aaron Crabb. He said, he said if you're not running into devils, you're running with them. <laughs> That's the truth. So the first thing that we have to do, church, is we must repent. Repentance is to have regret about one's sins, not remorse. And to turn fully and do a 180 degree turn. Amen. Church, there's a rapture that's coming. The second thing that I want to tell you is we must be ready. We must be ready. The word ready means fully prepared, a suitable state for action. That means that my life stays, stays in a state ready for the coming of the Lord. Amen. That means I don't let my guard down. That means I don't say, well, today I'm going to do what I want to do. Tomorrow I'll get back on track. No, you don't have time for that because no man knows the time or the hour that Jesus is coming. Amen. I want to turn with you very quickly to Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Amen. We have to be ready, church. Everybody say, we must be ready. I'm trying to just slow down and just give it to you. Amen. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. Amen. Amen. Watch therefore. What does watch mean? It means to stay up watching. It means I don't go to sleep. And when I do go to sleep, I have people that watch with me and for me. That means I have the right relationships in my life. You can't stay up 24-7, 365 days a week, but that means that I'm accountable to the house of... <laughs> that means I'm accountable to the house of God. Amen? That means I keep my family accountable to the house of God. Can I tell you, you can try to put church in the back of your mind if you want to and say that it really don't matter if you want to, but I'm telling you the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 that we must meet all the much more as we see the day approaching. I know the devil has come. I believe that the devil has sent this virus to try to scatter us, to try to divide us, to try to keep us away and out of the house of God. The problem is, is there's a lot of us that's grabbed a hold of it and we bit into it and we believe it. But I'm telling you the word of God still says that the church is still to meet together all much the more as we see the day approaching. I can tell you there's something coming worse than the coronavirus and what are we going to do then when that comes? I said what are we going to do when that comes? What are you going to do when they stand at the door of this church and said if you come in there then I'm pulling the trigger. Are we willing? Are we ready to die for this gospel's sake? I'm telling you church when you can't stay awake, keep somebody by you that is awake. It's time church, we wake up our homes we wake up our families we wake up our communities and we wake up America and know that we must be ready to go in the rapture of the church Hallelujah, Hallelujah. We ain't seen nothing yet in America, we're spoiled rotten Get with that brother from India see how they worship you want to see something? Amen. I can play you a video where Oliah just got flooded. Every house and there's flooded, but they're still worshiping. They're going to the church. Pastor Hernando said, can you buy some mats, Pastor? We're fixing to put people in the church. We're going to put people in the church. My God, you think God didn't know that a flood was coming? <laughs> think that there needed to be something on higher ground? Brother Hernando said it's an ark in the middle of nowhere. And he said, will you buy some mats? He said, will you buy some mats, Pastor? He said, because we're taking people out of their homes that are knocked down and we're putting them in the church. I'm telling you, church, we got to get ready. You see, God always makes preparation before the storms come. I said, God will always prepare his bride. He'll always prepare the church before the storm comes. <laughs> Did not he send his prophets to warn before things would come? <laughs> I'm telling you, and I come before you today and tell you, worse is coming than the coronavirus. But God is preparing us today. And you can reject me and you can resist me and that's fine. That's fine. But I'm telling you, it's time we stir up our homes. It's time we stir up our families. And it's time we tell our children the truth. I'm telling you, I didn't feel bad one bit for looking at them four and five-year-olds and telling them if they don't get born again, they're going to hell. And I told them that. 
Is that the reason they got born again? No, the Holy Ghost came. I heard babies in this altar praying, saying, I don't, my daddy don't even love me. My daddy don't even live with me. And I heard Brooks pray over that little baby. You know you got a father in heaven that loves you. That little boy just, man, his heart was so tender. His heart was so soft in every battle that Brooks faced. I saw God just renewing in her life right there. Every time the devil tried to push her back, push her down, every battle that Sister Michaela and everybody that's teaching in that school that they fall, I seen it just before my eyes. I saw these children just repenting before God. I saw Taylor broken before God. I saw Ella broken before God. I saw Carter with his hands lifted up broken before God. I saw Parker with tears in his eyes and the Holy Ghost feeling him right here on this side of the church on Friday. I'm telling y'all, I seen the Holy Ghost move. I saw little Lakin with tears in his eyes. I seen them laying hands on one another. I'm telling you, church, there's a reason that God is getting these five-year-old ready, these 10-year-olds ready, because not only are they the church for tomorrow, they're the church of right now. And I'm telling you, there's something coming greater than the coronavirus. But if you know, there's not fear in any of these babies. They're ready to get up and go to church. I'm ready to get up and go to children's church. There's not fear in them. Then we got to keep it that way. Why would we put what's in us in them instead of get what's in them inside of us, church? There's faith in them. There's faith in them. There's faith in them. Wake up. Our redemption draws nigh. Be ready. Be ready. I said God will always send a warning before he sends the storm. He does. He does that. He's warning us. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And if we're so easily cut out now, we'll never make it back then. I'm just telling you. We'll never make it back then. If we aren't together now, we'll never be together then. If we let little things fester and get in between us now, those things will destroy us and kill us then. So if there's all, if there's bitterness, if there's wickedness, I'm telling you, we got to get it out because we got to meet the much more. God has gave this church 85 acres, wells that we didn't dig, <laughs> houses that we didn't build. Land that we didn't plow for a reason. It's a refuge. Somebody came to me yesterday and said, I think you need to get a well that don't require electricity. I said, you might not know this, but there's already one tapped. <laughs> it's already running. It was running years before we ever got here. Since the 1960s, that well's been running. They used to take baths there. And so, you know, have you ever seen when somebody's born, they spread out? When something gets aged, it goes back. Are we not going back? When the rapture of the church comes, things are coming. What did the Bible say? Everybody sold everything. <laughs> they sold everything and they gave it to everyone that has need. See, we've drawn apart from that dispensation. But what is God doing? He's bringing it back. There was a day when there wasn't but one church, and that was a church that the Holy Ghost came down on. But now we got thousands upon thousands upon thousands of denominations, and the very denomination that's attacked the most is the church that's filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. But I'm telling you, it's coming back. <laughs> I said it's coming back. Amen. We've grown away from all that. But church, we must be ready. No man knows the time or the hour, not even the angels, only the Father. Listen, Luke chapter 17, if you'll turn there with me. Y'all still with me this morning? Luke 17. Luke 17. We'll start in verse 30. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. What's he saying? You better be ready. You're not going to have time now to run off your rooftop, run into your house and tell your children, get right. 
We're not going to have time to run down and get everything organized in the house. Well, now let's get things in order. <laughs> there ain't going to be time. Are you hearing me? I said, you got to be ready. What does ready mean? Fully prepared. <laughs> A suitable state for action. It means I'm ready. When the rapture comes, I'm ready. God, here I am. Amen. And his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. If you go leave and go to work, you better know when you leave your house that day, everything's in order. Amen. Remember Lot's wife? She looked back. What did she do? She had regret for what she left and what she lost. And if you have more regret for the things of this world, is your heart truly ready? She didn't go back. She looked back. That means that she exposed her heart. Where was her focus? It wasn't up. It was back. And so what happened to her? She turned to a pillar of salt. Verse 33, whoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. If things in your life is more important instead of just laying your life on the line for the gospel, I'm telling you, church, hear me. And how is that going to be proved by your actions of how you serve God? If anything of this world takes precedence over our walk with God, what does he go on to say? Whoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in, the, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Let me just stop right there. Husbands and wives, I believe he's talking to us. Husbands and wives, we got to be right. Because the rapture of the church could take place in the middle of the night like a thief in the night. And husband, if you're not right and being the man that God's called you to be, and if you've not repented and if you're not ready, then I'm sorry when you wake up the next morning your wife's been raptured and you're still here. Hold on. If mama was the only one that ever invested in them babies, mama was the only one that would get up men and take them babies to the house of God so that they could be saved and repent and be poured into. Don't be mad then when you're the only one left behind when you go to the baby bed and that baby's gone. When you go to that 12-year-old's and that 12-year-old's gone and you're running around frantically and all you got left was the possessions that this world offered you. That's all you got, but that's all you ever wanted. That's all we ever wanted before. But now that the rapture's gone and Jesus has called his bride home, all you got left is everything you worked hard for. You got that big house. You didn't have time to tithe. You didn't have time to come to the house of God because you had to pay for every worldly thing that you ever wanted. I can promise you this, and I'm talking, I'm preaching to the choir. I can promise you deep down inside of our family's lives, our children, they don't want more stuff. They want mom and daddies that will love them and get them to the house of God. But because of our mistakes and our failures, we try to cover that up and we try to buy them stuff. And we try to buy their love. And the whole time, the whole time, all they want is us. All they want is us. That's all they want. And so would, why would we be surprised that if we were to wake up and everything we've tried to offer and everything we've worked so hard for, that's all we had left. But really the only thing that mattered was all gone. It had been raptured out. Two will be in one bed. One will be left and one will be taken. You hear me? Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken and the other left. Let me ask you, are you ministering on your job sites? Two will be working together. One will be left and one will be taken. Are we witnessing? Are we being a witness? Or do we look like the world on our job sites? Do people truly want what we have? Because let me tell you, if you're living right, either people's going to love you or they're going to hate you. <laughs> One thing I've learned about Holy Ghost filled people, there's usually not any in between. <laughs> they either love you or they're going to hate you. Amen. Pastor Clinton said, he said, a pastor that's full of the Holy Ghost, he said, it's going to be two things in the world, the most loved and the most hated. 
Amen. Going to be the most loved and the most hated in the community. Amen. Because they're going to tell you the truth, but they're going to love like Jesus. And so people can't stand that because you stir up their devils. Verse 37, and they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wherever soever the body is, thither with the eagles be gathered together. We're going to be gathered together. Amen. Turn with me to Luke 21. Luke 21, 34. Brother Rafe, are you going to play? Come on up here, brother. Luke 21, verse 34. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unaware. Let me tell you, if you're drunk, if you're busy, and you're so burdened down by stuff, the last thing you can even think about on the forefront of your mind is the rapture of the church. Because we're so consumed with worldly pleasures. And you would say, well, I'm not a worldly man. You don't have to be a worldly man. You can be a good man and a good woman. But be so consumed with worldly stuff that you think is good stuff and even has benefit to other people's lives. I'm not talking about being a benefit to others. I'm talking about being a benefit to Christ. And if we benefit Him, you'll benefit others. We're so consumed with trying to help everybody out. The only way you can do that right is in him. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. What's he saying? It's going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. And in that day he was teaching in the temple, and at night he went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. It's going to come to pass. Matthew 24, verse 42. It's going to come to pass to y'all. Ella, Landon, Cheston, Tyson, Cecil Ray. It's going to come to pass. Y'all look at me. The rapture is coming to pass. If you're too busy playing, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. I love y'all. If you keep playing, you'll miss it. And I love your families, and I love you too much not to tell you the truth. You'll miss it. I read this just a minute ago. Watch therefore, for you know not the hour your Lord does come. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. So we got to be ready. And lastly, I just want to spend just a minute right here. Because I would say a lot of us here have repented. And a lot of us here are ready. But I want to just say this. Are you being responsible with the life that Jesus has entrusted to you? Are you truly being responsible with what he's given you to do? You didn't choose him. He chose you. And are you being responsible with that life that He chose you? To the full capacity, you've repented, you're saved. And you would love to say that you're ready, but are you being responsible with what He's given you? We look to the story in Matthew 25. There's three different instances there. There's a story of ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. What separated the five from the other five? 
is five of them weren't responsible with their oil. They let it run out. Are you tired of living for Jesus and every time you walk out the door on Sunday, your oil runs out? Because I don't, I don't know this. No man knows the time or the hour. But I don't know that Jesus is going to come on Sunday when the church is full, but he may. But I wonder if he'd wait till Monday. I mean, I'm just saying. I wonder if he'd wait till Monday so it would expose the true bride. Or would he wait till Tuesday? Wednesday, about half come back. Or would he wait till Friday when we let our hair down, if you got it? Because Friday gets me away from Sunday far enough. And I didn't go to church on Wednesday, so I'm not accountable. So the little bit of oil that I got filled back up Sunday morning, the little bit of oil that I got filled back up Sunday morning, I didn't go back Sunday night because, you know, it's family night. And Wednesday night, I'm just tired. and He preaches too long. And so I had a little oil, and I was full Sunday. I went to the altar. Sister Stacy prophesied into my life, and boy, it was a timely word. I needed it so bad to get me through. It got you through to Friday. <laughs> and everything that was poured in was now poured out. Why was it poured out? Because disobedience broke the vessel. And the wineskin didn't shift from what God was trying to make it to be. And it became dry, stale, and it began to crack. And what was on the inside began to leak out. And so now you form back to what you've always been, an old wineskin. And you've done what you've always done. And so oil couldn't remain. Well, I may go back to church next Sunday morning, but I don't know. Because now I'm guilty. Now I'm shameful. And they're going to know if I go back in there. Well, I see your countenance came. If you would only repent. You'd do well. If you'd only repent. You see, the five foolish virgins just became irresponsible, Dana, with what they had. They were good women. They were just like the other five. They saved themselves. They were pure. They were virgins. They were good. And they had the same opportunity to receive the same bridegroom. But they were irresponsible with their oil. And so they begin to try to talk the five wise ones out of their oil. Thank God that the five wise weren't irresponsible. I'm just saying, don't get mad when somebody don't share their oil when you should have brought your measure to them anyway and you may should have asked them because the ones that were full have filled you up time after time after time that you were empty because five said I'm going to be responsible and I choose responsibility you keep being irresponsible and now you get mad throw your sucker in the dirt because somebody won't share your oil that's one of the most demonic things you could ever place on somebody is when you're irresponsible to try to call out the responsible one and get their oil So if you have oil, be responsible with it. And don't you dare give it to them that are empty. One of the greatest attacks of the enemy in this hour will be that. These five walked with me. These five had everything that I had. And now their vessels are empty. They won't mind. And if you don't, then you're the devil. If you don't share your oil, then you're the devil and you're not saved. No, I'm just responsible. I've gave my oil to you ten times. And I had enough on reserve to fill mine back up. But now my reserve's gone because the coming of the Lord is now. I don't have anything left to give. I've gave and I've gave and I've gave. And now i got to be responsible for what I have. Be responsible. They were, five, they were five good women, but they became irresponsible with their oil. Let me ask you, are you responsible or irresponsible with your oil today? Talents were given. 
Some talents were sowed. Some talents were buried. What are you doing with your talent today? Are you investing your talent? Brian Lawing said something yesterday. He said when he, he closed his class on finances. And I'm just going to share what he said. He said, don't you come to me and say, God ain't blessing me when you ain't tithing. He said, God don't bless thieves and robbers. <laughs> he said, so don't come with your hand open to God and say, bless me, bless me, bless me when you don't release the seed. He said, the only person in the Bible that God gave seed to was the sower. <laughs> he said, so if you're not sowing, don't expect seed in your hand. He said, it all starts right there. He said, it starts with what we're doing, with what we've been given. Each man was given a talent. Some had more, some had less. And so many times, listen to me, church, I'm talking about being responsible. you got to be responsible with what God's gave you. If God only gave you one talent, then invest that talent. If God gave you five, then invest five. If God gave you ten, invest ten. But if you got one, don't compare yourself to the ten. God didn't... God didn't entrust you with 10, and that's okay. I can tell you more sometimes can be less. God give you less. He may give you more. Be responsible with the one talent. Don't bury it. I'm tired of seeing the devil use comparison in the house of God. Well, I don't have anything to offer God. Yes, you do. I encourage you today. Yes, you do. You have so much to offer God in the kingdom of God. We all do. Don't bury your talent. Be responsible and invest it. And lastly, in Matthew 25, Jesus said, when you clothed them, when you visited them, when you gave them water to drink, he said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. They said, Lord, when did we do that? When you did it to the poor. <laughs> when you did it to those that were in prison. When you did it to them that were thirsty, well, Jesus, I never saw you there. I know. I was seeing if you'd be responsible when you didn't see me. <laughs> I just want to know if you'd be responsible when, I, when you didn't feel me. Would you still clothe the naked? Would you still fit, visit the prisoners? Would you still give water to the thirsty? Or would you only do that in a church service? I wanted you to do it. I didn't know we ever did that for you, Jesus. I know you didn't, but I was watching. You were responsible when nobody was there but you and me. You were responsible then. Let me ask you, church, are you being responsible? Are you being responsible? Because he goes on to say, he said, and those that weren't, he said, you're going to be on the left side. <laughs> you're going to be over here with the goats. You just thought they were sheep in the church because they did it on Sunday mornings. <laughs> they kind of sounded close, didn't they? <laughs> Their horns kind of favored a little bit, didn't they? Yeah, they had some of the same features, didn't they? <laughs> they kind of spoke in tongues the same, didn't they? <laughs> They kind of worshiped the same, didn't they? Oh, but in the coming of the Lord, there's going to be a separation that comes. And those that weren't responsible for what God told them to do, I can tell you, they're going to be over here with the goats. But those that were responsible is going to be on the right side. And they're going to be the sheep of the fold. They're going to be the sheep of the pasture. I'm telling you, church, we better get ready. There's a rapture that's going to take place, and it could come at any day now. I can tell you the problem in America today is, and a problem in the church, is just like when Moses went up to the mountain for 40 days, the people at the bottom begin to build a golden calf. They begin to develop in their image and what they wanted and they begin to worship that calf and they said I hear a noise at the bottom but it's not the noise of victory I can tell you in America we begin to build golden calves that's a type of the rapture of the church when Moses went up he came back down and there was a mess going on I'm telling you there's a mess going on in the church we're worshiping every calf that we can we've made so many idols and gods that we can we worship our families we worship our children we worship our pastors we worship our churches it's time that we fall on our patience and worship God and when we worship God we'll fall in line to everything else we'll love our pastor we'll love our church we'll love our children we'll love our families we'll love our wives we'll love our husbands we'll love right then but Jesus must come first hallelujah would you stand with me all over this house Whew. I feel the Holy Ghost ah. If you're here this morning, I'm, I'm just going to get right to it. I'm telling you, 
if you're not right to meet this Jesus, there's a rapture coming. And if you're here today and you would say, Pastor Jared, I want to make sure that I'm right to go in this rapture. Just where you are, would you just lift up your hand and just say, I, I want to know that I know that I know. I need to know that I'm right with God. I need to know that I'm right with God. Anybody in this house today, you're unsure. Your heart's pounding right now. You just say, i got to know that I'm right. If you're here today and you say, I've just kind of let my armor down. I've really not been ready. I've not been aware. I've not been watching the way that I need to. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? I've just not really been ready. I see you. God sees you. And the third thing, I just hadn't really been responsible with the talent, the gifts, and the seed that God's given me. I've not been sowing right. I've been burying what God gave me. But I'm ready to use it for the kingdom of God. I want to be responsible. I'm ready to use it for the kingdom of God. Thank you. Hands all over this house this morning. Hands up all over this house this morning as Brother Rafe just begins to lead us in these next songs and we just begin to worship. If you had your hand lifted and you feel by faith that you would just come and move in these altars, I just want you to step right now. God's fixing to release supernatural abilities to people in this house today. God's releasing supernatural. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming all over this house. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. God knows. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God's looking. God's looking. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus.